Tech community. My name is Ron Murphy. I'm the host. Today we have Ryan Egan and Eli Fashini from Tonewood Brewing. They're going to talk to you a little bit today about what Tonewood's about, how they got into the food and beverage industry, some of the challenges that they face. Welcome today, Ryan and Eli. If you guys could talk a little bit today about how Tonewood Brewing got started, some of your inspiration on getting into the food and beverage industry, specifically for craft beer, which we know is popular in our area. Cool. Thanks for having us, Ron. This is uh, Eli here from Tonewood Brewing. I kind of got my start, moved to Colorado for uh, me ski bum, fell into a, uh, a brewing job, helping pack cans off a canning line. And kind of one thing led to the other. Yeah, moved my way up into the production staff, started brewing beer there. If being originally from Southern New Jersey, always felt there was, you know, a need for craft brewery in our area. At the time, this was 2015. So I decided to make a move back here to New Jersey, give it a go. Now, here we are seven years later. Uh, we have two production facilities, one in Oakland, New Jersey, and one in Barrington, New Jersey. We're now the third largest craft brewery in New Jersey, a regional craft brewery. And yeah, it's just been, you know, growing strong and keeping at it. So, so far in your experience with Tonewood Brewing, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges, you know, with us in the retail food industry, you know, we've got inflation, there's labor shortages, there's uh, supply issues and things like that. Over the last few years, has there been any single or multiple challenges that Tonewood Brewing has faced, you know, and how have you guys dealt with that? Sure. I mean, we face, you know, all those same supply pressures. We work a lot in the commodities market with grain supplying, hop supplying, packaging materials. So yeah, anything that you're seeing at food market business, we're kind of seeing the same thing. There's not been like one specific challenge, but kind of all those things together, just navigating it, trying to price our products correctly for the consumer while also maintaining a profitable business. Sure. Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, um, I read articles about for retail that inflation starting to cool off in certain parts of the country and consumers are obviously expecting that to see that, you know, immediately in the store. So, you know, we get the added pressure of, uh, you know, in the retail business of trying to compete heavily on price. And that's something that, you know, for us, Murphy's Market, we're kind of independent. We face obviously those challenges that you you had mentioned. You know, pricing is one major issue that you got to stay on top of because you almost have to be, you know, a month ahead in terms of where you're going to price and recognizing, you know, the cost of goods that you're currently receiving and where the market's going to be, you know, in, in a month or so. So, Ron, can I jump in there real quick uh, just to touch on what you just said? Uh, this is Ryan from Tonewood Brewing. So we've always been really price conscious here as far as getting our product out to retailers like yourself. In the past seven years, we've only once had a price increase. So we're, we're actually really proud of the fact that despite the fact that there have been additional pressures beyond the effects of COVID, we really haven't had to go beyond the one price increase that we've had in our company's history. So that's something that we're, we are really aware of that. And we're trying to work as much with retailers so that consumers don't have to take that burden. Beer is, you know, one of the, the lowest end luxury items you can possibly get in my opinion. So we want to make sure that people can enjoy it, you know, today, tomorrow and, and beyond. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, you know, in terms of Tonewood Brewing in our store, Fuego is by far the number one skew in our store and the Tabernacle store and Long Beach Island. And, you know, obviously with the brand recognition, you know, and being that number one, you know, there's those pressures in the, to kind of drive the price up. But that's that's very respectful, respectable that uh, you guys have, have chosen to, um, you know, to keep that, that price and make the craft beer, 
your product available, you know, and not outprice it because there are a lot out there that, you know, you get a four pack out there for $22, $23, kind of get above the price range. But uh, obviously you guys you put some thought and, and definitely, um, you know, have, have designed a kind of a pricing strategy around it. And um, it, it's definitely showing in the sales. And uh, I think the customers really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, in, in, in terms of, um, you know, since you first started, Eli, you had spoken about, you know, your beginning in terms of your mindset from a startup to now, you know, kind of an established business, you know, you have distribution. I know in our area, it's, it's the brand's very well known. How has your mindset over that time period changed in terms of how you go about your day and kind of the things that you, you put focus in? I would say probably the biggest takeaway would be we, it really hasn't changed much at all. Things have just gotten larger. I still kind of consider us a startup at this point, even though we are established. When you look at the industry as a whole throughout the country, we're still a very small brewery and we're the, by volume, the third largest producing brewery in the state. So that kind of gives you an idea of like where the industry is and like where we are at. So I do still think of us as in that growth startup phase. I don't think we've really hit like, you know, maturity to where like the overall vision would shift. Still doing a lot of the same stuff I was doing when when we opened, you know, I'm still actively brewing beer, writing new recipes. Yeah, still still coming up with new beers. So yeah, not much has changed. It's just kind of a bigger machine at this point. I would say one shift. I mean, when we first launched in 2016, it was a production facility with a tasting room only and all of our accounts were on-premise, which means that people were only able to get our beer at bars. So to change our model in 2000, it wasn't a change, it was just growing into the space. In 2017, we launched our packaged goods cans where we were able to go out into the world and actually sell to liquor stores. That's been a shift which has kind of naturally made it so that we've kind of needed to take, I think, a couple of fewer risks. So we've had to figure out what beers sell well. And you mentioned Fuego. It's definitely our number one selling item that we make. So the shift to brew more and more of that has had to take place. We're still brewing one-off beers and new styles of beer, but they're not always seeing large production and large distribution. They're kind of staying close to home. So I think the shift really has been taking, I'm calling it less, you know, fewer risks. It's, you know, it's smaller risks. When we brewed beers for the first time ever back in the early days, we were really hoping that those would, you know, hit and take off. And we had to figure out what those were going to be. And I think we did a good job of that. Yeah. And, and to Ryan's point there, we've definitely become more of like a, a manufacturing facility in that sense. So that is probably the the main difference would be we're from the early days. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we know we have a set volume of our core brands that we need to produce at this point. And that's, that's evolved, but that's kind of been set in place really for the past three or four years now. Three years. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about it today. We're essentially at the same spot at the new facility as we were two summers ago, where we just kind of have a rhythm with our core products and we're producing as much as we can at capacity. And yeah, it's now the next move is, you know, another small expansion project. What do you look for in terms of trends in the industry or do you guys kind of just kind of create your own trends in terms of recipes and, and, and new flavors and things like that? I think one of the benefits of the tasting room is that we can ask our customers face to face what they're enjoying. You know, I mean, we obviously we have the sales data to show what beers sold the most that particular night, but we can kind of we can make small batch new things, you know, from 
beginning to end, we can have the conversation with our customers. We try to be somewhat seasonal in what we offer. So in the summertime, we off we often have a lot of lower ABV options because in 90 degree heat in New Jersey, you're not really looking for a, a stout. As far as trends, I mean, you'll see things like that within the industry. There's There's all sorts of trade publications that we definitely take a look at from time to time, but I think the, the best feedback we get for ourselves is is from the people who enjoy our beers. So being open to listening to those comments and, and taking them for the valuable asset that they are, I think is really important. Yeah. And when we opened the brewery, I had people would be like, well, what kind of beers are you going to make and what are you going to do? And my answer was always classic styles with modern interpretations. And I don't think we've strayed from that. Um, you know, there's been trends in this industry that have come and already gone. And, you know, we've just stuck to that classic styles with modern interpretations, uh, just producing beers that really, you know, we want to drink. Luckily, other people want to drink them, too. I think that's one of the most popular responses from customers about Fuego when we recommend it in the store is that it's just a classic IPA. It, it has some, you know, really strong points that kind of separate it in terms of it's not overly hoppy. And I know you guys just did something with Fuego. Is it, is it, is, was there an anniversary around Fuego that you guys brewed a special batch of, of Fuego? Yeah, so we've kind of played on that that beer and that recipe where we're doing a double dry hop version where we're able to play with different hop varieties and add additional dry hopping to, you know, give the customer something fun and different people that are fans of Fuego. So that, that's been one of our, our things we've been doing four or five years now. And then about two years ago, we started doing, we call it Mas Fuego, which is our uh, higher ABV double IPA version of Fuego, kind of sticking within the same profile flavor wise as you know our flagship ipa but giving two different you know varietals of that beer again it's a uh, classic styles modern interpretations yeah driving factor here for us as far as trends in the industry i would say eli you had mentioned some potential growth opportunities is there anything that uh you guys have on the horizon that you'd be uh willing to share today as far as capital projects or... Yeah, anything, new facilities. Uh... Yeah, sure. So when we built out this Barrington facility, it was built for efficiency and sustainability. So we're always looking at ways to more cost-effectively produce our products and more sustainably. You know, the less raw material inputs you're putting in, the better that is for the planet uh, and the better that is for your profitability. So yeah, we're, we're currently installing a spent grain silo. So currently our spent grain is kind of manually put into some totes and then very labor intensively loaded onto a trailer and sent down to a farm where they have to manually unload it and it feeds cattle. So we're going to have basically a system of pipes, pumps, and tanks that will convey that material. So we're able to get that out to farmers more efficiently and also just keeping all of that material fresh for the cattle will be better for them consuming it. We're also in a cellar expansion, so we'll be adding some additional fermentation capacity. Yeah, that's uh, two of the major projects right now. We also just took on a new wholesaler in Philadelphia that's kind of driving our growth, they're getting us into more accounts, more grocery. Yeah, Ryan can kind of speak on that a little bit. Yeah. For the audience, so spent grain is just the uh, after you 
do the the brewing process, the grain is left behind and the liquid is the thing that we collect. So we end up with these, it's almost like porridge at the end of the day, and we have to dispose of it. And our way of disposing of it right now is to have a farmer come up from about 40 minutes south of here, and he collects all of that. He feeds it to cattle, which is pretty cool. It doesn't end up in a landfill. It doesn't end up in the environment. Um, So we're pretty happy with that. When we built out this facility, Eli made sure that the environment was at the the front of the design. So we are completely 100% solar powered at this facility. Um, We are collecting CO2 and recapturing it from the fermentation process. And we're using that recaptured CO2 and putting it back into carbonate our beers. So our beers are carbonated with the um, CO2 that's collected from the fermentation process. The benefit of that is the beer tastes better and it also doesn't get released into the environment. So that's a pretty exciting upgrade for this facility. And then there's a lot of other kind of really in the weeds efficiencies that have been put in place. Those are some things that we've been working on. We're starting to transition some of our older vehicles and turning into electric vehicles for our sales fleet. So that's been a fun project that's been starting to happen. It hasn't fully transitioned yet, but we're we're getting there. EV charging for our customers that come to the tasting room is in the works. That's another little project we got going on. Additional expanded beer garden. Yeah, we, we've kind of always have a lot of small projects, big projects going on. Uh, that's kind of why I go back to the fact that like it really hasn't felt like we've gotten out of that startup phase as a business yet. We're still kind of just pushing and trying to grow. I mean, out in the world, it's nice that it feels like we're established, but th- there's always more, you know. Absolutely. And it's a good segue into um, some of the discussion around sustainability. So uh, you guys had mentioned a few processes that you were working on to create sustainability for your company. Can you just talk on a little bit about what sustainability means at Tonewood and some of the processes, you know, in further depth that that you guys are uh, investing in? Sure. I mean, uh, Ryan kind of just mentioned it, but we are a solar powered facility. Uh, So we have a 193 kilowatt solar array able to provide the power we need to produce the beer. And then the other thing he did mention, we recapture our fermentation gas. So in the fermentation process, one of the byproducts is CO2 gas. That CO2 gas is typically just vented to the atmosphere. And then at the end of the brewing process, you take purchased bulk liquid CO2 and carbonate the beer with that liquid CO2. This is how you know 99% of breweries in the country do this. So what we did was we adopted a new technology that is able to take that fermentation gas, it compresses it at really high pressures, and then liquefies it by dropping the temperature down to negative 30 Celsius. And then that liquid CO2 is stored in a similar bulk tank to what you would use for purchase CO2. And then we're able to use that you know CO2 that we've produced on site, kept out of the atmosphere, to carbonate, transfer, use it for processing here at the brewery. So that's been a big, big move for us. And yeah, there's also, we are now uh, recapturing the steam that is created during the boiling process. So typically, again, 90% of breweries, there's a big steam stack that goes out of the brewery. You know, you see the billowing steam out. So what we're able to do is use that hot steam to create hot water. We use a ton of hot water here at the brewery for washing, for making the product. So with that stack condenser is what it's called, uh, we're able to create, you know, several thousand gallons of 180 degree hot water a day for free and without using any fossil fuels or energy. Yeah. Why is sustainability important to you? 
because it's you've been driving that and it's important to all of us but you've been spearheading that should be important to everyone can be a reason well, there you go <laughs> yeah totally agree it's the right thing to do it's like anything that we can do to minimize our impact we're doing it you know brewing's as much as people might want to you know say how great craft brewing is it's really not the most environmentally friendly uh process um so whatever we can do to make it more sustainable and to get ourselves closer to being you know a low to zero footprint company we're gonna try and do you know i look up to some of the leaders in the industry the new belgians the sierra nevadas uh and the ways that they've grown their companies and they've done that by making those investments uh and now they are extremely sustainable you know zero footprint companies uh yeah that's just kind of yeah it's really cool it, it, you know there's there's you know to your point maybe there doesn't shouldn't need to be too much more of a motivation than than it just being the right thing to do i think um we talk a little bit here at, at murphy's just about having you know values and things that you know you kind of believe in and, and to your point you know the retail industry and, and running any type of business is going to have some type of impact but to your point about it being or it kind of being on the leadership and, and being on somebody that has a say or a, a stakeholder to try to minimize that impact and, and try to add value to all shareholders and customers community you know I, I think that's definitely a responsible and uh, necessary thing so I appreciate you sharing that in, in terms of um, you know inspiration and, and things like that, is there is there anything specific that you know c- c- makes you continue or makes Tonewood you know continue to draw inspiration from customer base, or is it is a family inspiration, or is it really just selling selling good beer and and kind of sticking to why you started? Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, the inspiration is just trying to continue to produce quality product for the community and continue to try and create a great space for people to work and whatever we can do to continue to do that, we try and do. You know, our core values here, we have quality first and foremost, quality products, quality of life for the people that work here, quality of life for the communities we're in, being involved in the community, you know, creating something of value for, you know, the people we're selling it to, and then sustainability, doing it in a sustainable fashion, not only environmentally, but also from business decisions. So yeah, I guess that would be, you know, where we get our inspiration from is what can we do to continue to drive at those core values? Um, To kind of go more philosophically, like where do we draw inspiration? I think for, we have about 25 to 28 people working here. I don't know the number off the top of my head. I probably should, but 27. 27. There you go. Could be wrong. But almost everyone that works here contributes to the ideas that we have and that we move forward. So the beer ideas obviously come from the production team, but there's there's several people on the production team that draw inspiration from. And when we name our beers, a lot of time inspiration comes from music. And when we come up with ideas for beers, we're thinking about activities that we want to have those beers at, whether it's a campfire or kayaking or paddleboarding or being at the beach or going on a bike ride or you know, you name the activity, we're thinking about how we're going to enjoy a beer after it. Generally, our slogan here is beer for life. And that's kind of what we aspire to make is, is beer that people will enjoy in the comings and goings of their days. I think inspiration comes in many forms. It's tough to kind of pin that down into a, a single distilled answer, but it comes from a lot from our people, it comes a lot from the ideas of how it is that we want to engage with our products and how we hope our customers will engage with it too. So I know that that's kind of like a a 30,000 foot view answer of what inspiration looks like here at Tonewood, but 
I mean, Eli's definitely set the set the stage with the the values that he just explained to you. We have in our employee handbook that we give out to each person that joins our team here. Those values are something that we all take seriously and that we all agree to. And those values are quality, community, and sustainability. But beyond those things, I mean, the inspiration of, you know, how do we have fun with beer? And you name the way you have fun with beer, and that's going to inspire us to make good beer and to to make sure that we get it out to the people that we sell it to. (laughs) No, that's great. And that's really cool. I mean, you know, in business, you think that creativity and innovation comes from competition, right? You're responding Coke and Pepsi, you know, you got to outdo each other. But I I think it, 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 it... becomes more authentic and especially in a creative industry or a creative business like the Tonewood Brewing where you guys are constantly, you know, tweaking recipes and coming up with new ideas and new offerings and and things like that when it just kind of flows naturally out of some type of inspiration based on your values I think you know the, the misconception is that yeah, obviously it's it's a business and 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 you know there's there's profitability to it but it's less about outdoing the competition and more about staying true to what you guys are all about and and kind of creating things that you would drink to your point or 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 doing activities creating beers around activities that you guys just want to do you know whether that's skiing or paddle boarding or kayaking or some of the other activities that you mentioned, I think that really that comes off in a lot of the flavors of the beer. And, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, the cust- our customers certainly um, can see that through your brand. And I think that, you know, going back to, you know, the inspiration and something we talked about a little bit earlier, we're really fortunate that we work in an industry where we have direct contact with customers. And for me, I'm out in the world and I, Murphy's Market used to be an account of mine. I've, I've changed territories, but I can have conversations with you. But our staff in our tasting room are talking directly to our customers that are drinking the beer over the bar. Every once in a while, we'll get the Hey, have you ever thought about brewing and name the, name the style, name the type of beer? Oh, have you ever thought about doing this? We listen to those things and sometimes they're really great and sometimes maybe not so much, but you hear not so, you know, an idea that you think is not so much enough times. You're like, wow, maybe, maybe there's something to this that we were wrong about. And, you know, we're, we're definitely willing to, uh, to come around and that, yeah, I think that listening to the customers is another part of what can inspire us. I mean, if we're not making what people want to drink, we're not doing our jobs right. <laughs> so, you know, give them what they want. You know, I guess it's yeah. almost like uh, going to a concert, right? You know, nine out of 10 people at the concert want to hear the hits <laughs> that the other one out of 10 are looking for the deep cuts. But I think a brewery can operate that way too, where we're giving the people what they want and then doing a couple of things for ourselves in the, in the process and, and being innovative. And hopefully those things resonate as well. That's really cool. Well, Eli and Ryan, I, I appreciate you guys coming on today. Is there a website or social media that, uh, that our viewers can, can reach Tonewood Brewing? Yeah, I'd say our best way to get in touch with us or see what's going on is our Instagram page. We do a website, tonewoodbrewing.com. It'll give you a little bit of info on both our locations. Yeah. But Instagram is at Tonewood Brewing. Very cool. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for joining us for the Entrepreneurial Mindset Community. I'm your host, Ron Murphy. You can hit us up on LinkedIn at hashtag Entrepreneurial Mindset Community. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ron.